Welcome to All The Things Podcast. I'm Regina Lawrence, your host. I'm a lawyer turned soulful business strategist and transformational mindset coach. I'm also the founder of the community, All The Things Business. I've created a community of women who can truly be all the things, successful, spiritual, sexual, and wildly unique, all while creating a life of purpose and passion according to our own rules. We don't have to look or be a person that societal norms dictate anymore. We don't have to play by somebody else's rules. We can be whoever we want to be, and that person can be all the things in one. Each week, I'll bring you episodes where we dive deep into business, entrepreneurship, and a whole host of topics to help us dive into who we truly are so that we can really be all the things. Welcome to my podcast. Hey guys, I know that starting a business can be really complicated, confusing, scary, and there's so many moments when you're starting your business or when you're pivoting your business, you feel really, really confused and like you have no one to talk to. I totally understand that because when I started my coaching business, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I tried a million things and I would hit dead ends and I would just try and try and try and try. Luckily, I was able to figure it out, but I had to take the long way. And that is exactly why I am the business coach that I am, because I've tried and I've tried and I've tried all of the things, and I know what works in creating, scaling, and pivoting your online and coaching business. If you are needing a friend, if you are needing a coach and somebody to hold your hand through this crazy process of growing your business online, schedule a free 30-minute virtual coffee chat with me. Go to my website, reginalawrence.com, and click Schedule a Virtual Coffee Chat, and we can hop on and talk about one particular issue in your business that you are struggling with right now. And by the end of that 30 minutes, I promise you that you will have a solution. Once again, it's www.reginalawrence.com, and click Schedule a Virtual Coffee Chat. I cannot wait to talk to you and help you unravel anything you are struggling with in your business right now. Enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of All The Things Podcast. I'm your host, Regina Lawrence. And on today's episode, we have such a beautiful gem of a woman, Risa Costas. So before we had this conversation, I knew a little bit about Risa and about her history. She currently is a stylist and has a style consulting business. She also is the founder of a company called The Rescue Kit Co. You can find all of this on her website at risacostas.com. But there is so much more to Risa Costas than just that. And her experiences in life are so incredible. On this episode, we really dive into some of the traumatic things that happened to Risa that have helped shape who she is and how she shows up on this planet. We talk about the fact that Risa has basically done a little bit of everything. She had a career that started in hair and makeup, but then she has professional experience that's a compilation of production, manufacturing, trade shows, wholesale, retail, buying, design, blogging, PR, event and wedding planning, and styling. The girl has lived all over, including Boston, San Francisco, New York, Florence, Italy, and now I'm so lucky to have her here in Phoenix, Arizona. I love on her website, she has this thing, it's quick facts for the skimmers, and I'm such a skimmer, and some of the highlights of Risa is she's a Virgo, just like me. Her favorite TV show is Sex and the City. Her guilty pleasure is designer shoes. She's a lover of Taylor Swift, and her secret talent is karaoke. Oh my gosh, her celebrity crush is Patrick Dempsey too. Risa, I had a Patrick Dempsey pillow in college. It was a pillowcase of McDreamy that my roommates got me. So I love it. We have the same celebrity crush. Anyway, you guys are going to love this episode. We really dive into how Risa started her career and how she did what seemingly seemed like a mishmash of different things but really it has enabled her to form this really, really beautiful business. So I'm so excited for you guys to get a chance to listen to her, to connect with her. Also, don't forget to go check out our website at www.risacostas.com. Risa also spends a lot of time on Instagram. Her Instagram handle is Reese Style. 
underscore consulting, R-I-S-T-Y-L-E underscore consulting and check her out, connect with her, DM her. You guys are going to love her. Enjoy this episode. Today on All The Things Podcast, we have a very special, beautiful guest. Risa Custis. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on All the Things podcast. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Very. So, you one of the reasons why I wanted you on the podcast, I just adore you and you really emulate something that I teach and work with my clients on and talk about on my platform, which is like being all the things as a woman, as a female entrepreneur, as a multipreneur, you literally are doing all the things. I, I don't think you sleep. Do you (laughs) actually no? And that's, that's not because I don't want to number one. I actually do have a little bit of trouble sleeping. It kind of runs in my family. So it's funny that you say that because it's actually a real thing. And I think that for creatives, we all kind of struggle with like inventing in our sleep. And I know so many people keep a notebook by their bed. I do the same thing. I'm constantly coming up with ideas and slogans and marketing terms and the next website and the next business idea. And my brain like doesn't know how to shut off. Mm. So it's actually a really like serious problem for me at times because sleep is so crucial to operating not one business but two for me and I've really had to work hard on dialing that in um everything from like changing my mattress to changing my pillows to a sound machine to checking things off a list at night and there's a real system to getting the rest that I need because I already am so restless. And I think it's because I'm excited about the next day. Like, I don't know about you as an entrepreneur, but I eat, sleep and breathe the work that I do. And it's completely infiltrated like my personal life and just everything around me. So I'm super pumped about what I'm doing the next day and who I'm going to see. Have you always been an entrepreneur? Yes. Do you want to know like the first story? (laughs) I would love to know the first story. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, we've always like in our little neighborhood growing up, I'm from a small town in Maine. So there was really like nothing else to do in the neighborhood except perform and, you know, ride around on bikes and like play these crazy games and wait for like the street lights to go out at night to be called home for dinner. So it was just a different time, like in the eighties, nineties growing up on the East coast. So I had always been a creative child and we had this really cool neighbor mom who let us like completely trash her house, like glitter Mm -hmm. and paper mache and toys and arts and crafts, anything that you could think of. And when we were really young, we would, we created this, this thing called neighborhood news and we would go around town and we would find out like, who needs a babysitter? Who's a cat passed away earlier in the week or you know what was like the news that was happening in the neighborhood um so-and-so is selling a bike or whatever it was and this really cool mom who sort of gave in to all of our hopes and dreams and just was like whatever you guys want to do I'm going to make your dreams come true you want to put on a play you want to like you know write a song and perform it for the neighborhood I'll get everyone together and she she typed this little like newsletter up and we would go around town and sell it on people's doorsteps for like 10 cents or something. Oh my God. So it was really cute. And it was sort of my first, I mean, that was like the first of many crazy things that we did. My little sister and her best friend who happened to be the daughter of this woman would like put things together and they called it a magic mixture and they grab things from the cabinet and bag them up and try to sell it. Like crazy things like maple syrup mixed with a bunch of other things and bag it up and put cute little ribbons on it and say, do you want to buy our magic mixture? Turn your dog into a cat. Like, you know, funny things like that. So there were always things that I was doing from a really young age. Um, And, and I think I was in theater as well. And I think that there's a level of 
entrepreneurism when you are on stage because you are really putting on a show and you're selling yourself and you're on stage and you're selling the performance. And that was something that I aspired to do in my adulthood. So I think that I had that bug. I was a singer my whole life. So I think I had that entrepreneurial spirit and bug um, from a very young age for sure. After you grew up, what did you major in in college? Were you a theater major? Well, so when I was in college the first time at the University of Maine, right after high school, I was, first I was a speech pathology major because my mom told me that I would always have a job if I became a speech pathologist. I mean, (laughs) who even knows what they really wanted to do at 18? No. And then I changed to a vocal major because I was a singer and I really wanted to pursue acting and continue my singing. Um, but I ended up leaving UMaine because of a car accident that I was in right after high school. So I attempted to go off to school. I was a cheerleader at UMaine and I attempted to keep things like on the norm and continue the path that I was on, but it was not a good idea for me to stay in school. I had some brain injury and some neurological issues and it ultimately put a stop and a halt to the path that I was on thank the Lord that it did, uh, because I would never be where I am today. Um, and I did decide to go back to school at ASU out here, which is why I moved here at 29. That's what brought me out to Phoenix. I mean, there's a few other steps along the way, Yeah. but that brought me out to Phoenix, uh, when I decided to finish my degree. So I graduated from ASU at 31 with, um, high honors. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> as a communication major and a media analysis minor from the Cronkite school. So communications and media analysis were the ultimate, I guess, degrees, but I mean, I don't, I don't even use, I use my communications degree every day, but that's a skill I already had. I feel like you either have it or you don't. Yeah. And I definitely wanted to hone in on that because I knew that I wanted some sort of leadership role at some point. Uh, and networking and communication is the cornerstone, I think, to any business and any Absolutely. like success in life. So that was my major at ASU. So that was a huge accomplishment, leaving school and then taking huge hiatus to work and figure out what my path was. And then to graduate like as a non-traditional student here in a brand new state. Across the country from home. Across the country, yeah. which I had done a couple of times. I jumped from, after I left UMaine, I moved to Boston. I got my cosmetology license. I randomly started doing hair and makeup for weddings. And it was just this crazy beginning to my beauty and fashion career. And I ended up moving from Boston to San Francisco with some girlfriends. And that's how I fell into the fashion industry. I met a fashion designer and she completely took me under her wing took me all over the world, Paris, Barcelona, Berlin, all over Germany. Um, yeah, it was the craziest ride of my life. And I worked for this company that produced handbags and shoes. So I learned about manufacturing. I learned about development, hardware, how to design handbags and shoes, all about development, like tanneries and factories and everything. And I spent a month living in Florence and I was only like 24, 25 at the time. And it was the most incredible experience, hands-on, side-by-side with this designer. Really, honestly, I was like a principal in the company because there was a buyout in the company. And the woman who took me on ended up taking over the company from her partner. And she gave me the opportunity to just sort of take it and do what I wanted with it. So it was a really really cool experience for about two and a half years. And then I ended up back East again. I hopped right back across the country and I know crazy and fell into the public relations sector. And I worked uh, as the director of PR for a women's clothing line in New York. Yeah. It's so interesting. All the things you've done, because I know what you do now and it's all, they're like all these little pieces that life was giving you and all this experience to create what you are doing now, right? It's so crazy that you say that. Yes, a hundred percent. Because at the time when you're on that journey, you're like, what am I even doing in this job? Do yeah. I, do I even know how to do this job? How many times have you had a job where you're like, is this a means to an end? Do I know what I'm doing? Is this going to be my career? I don't know about you, but 
I like to know the answer to everything. Every, I'm like, you're a Virgo. I want to know everything. And I want a plan of action that outlines each step. Let's go. Right. 100%. So yeah. how do you think I felt like completely uprooting my life multiple times going where the wind blew? I'm, I am a planner, but I'm also incredibly spontaneous and I take opportunity when it's given to me always. So yeah. when somebody says, do you want to go do this? The answer is typically yes. Now I'm getting a little bit more like cratchety in my old age. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The answer is no. But in your twenties, like oh, Jesse yeah. Itzler will say your twenties are for taking risks. They're for failing. They're for trying. They're for experimenting. And therefore the yeses, all the yeses in the world. And I knew I needed to say yes to everything and do so well at everything that I tried because there was always this little sort of space on my shoulders telling me you need a degree or you're not good enough or you're not you didn't go through your four-year program like everybody else and you're not you don't have this like set career or you're not married with a husband and kids and I sort of felt like if I didn't do things and do them well and succeed in my own way, I wasn't succeeding because mm -hmm. everyone around me was going the traditional route. Yeah. And that was really hard to deal with because not only was I struggling with a facial scar and having to have four reconstructive surgeries after that, mm -hmm. But I, and so I was not really loving the way that I looked and I was having to build my own confidence. I had an okay support system, but not really a support system. I dealt with a lot of it myself and yeah. no therapy, no, I briefly did it, but I didn't understand it and what I could get out of it. And I got out of it as quickly as I could. Cause it just didn't feel like it was working for me at the time, but throughout my entire twenties, Nobody was really holding my hand and telling me like, Hey, it's going to be okay. And if you fall, we'll catch you, or you can stay here, or I've got a job for you. It was very much sink or swim, do or die on my own. And it was very stressful. So where do you get that like grit from that ability to just be like, this is really scary and this is really hard, but I'm going to do it anyway. Where does that come from in you? That's a really good question. I, I think I was born with it. Mm -hmm. I think I'm incredibly resilient just by nature. Uh, I dealt with a lot of bullying as a kid and a lot of mistreatment from other kiddos. And I just, I had to really dig deep. Um, but I think it's something that I've worked every single day on. I think a lot of times when you do face a trauma or something at a young age and you go through something that hardens you or I shouldn't say hardened because I never felt hardened I just felt a little more thick-skinned I guess I felt a little bit more um I don't know, I guess on my own team I don't know how else to say that you know I, I knew that there wasn't really a choice and you can go two ways when something like that happens. You can go way far left or you can, you know, stay to the right and you can say, listen, these are my choices. I can either fall completely down and waste away any potential that I know that I have because I knew that I had it, but to find it and to do the work to dig deep and find it and then recognize it and then celebrate yourself for it. Those are all like really big milestones, I think personally Absolutely. and mentally. And I knew I had it because I was talented at a young age. I had people tell me, you're good at this. You're good at this. You should pursue this. I knew I had, I stuck with singing. I was trained. I could have probably kept going with it, but I let mean kids tell me that choir wasn't, wasn't cool or whatever it was that I was doing. You know, it's really hard to make it through your childhood and believe in yourself and pursue the things that you know deep down are right for you because society tells you one thing or a group of people tells you another or it's really hard. Yes. But that resilience for me has to come from my car accident and just the challenges that I faced, I think, growing up. Um, and I, I'm generally a very upbeat, happy person and I was not going to let it get me down. Mm -hmm. I just had to fight my way through it. 
have you always had this personality like this like you just are energetically like in such a high vibrational space whenever I see you, you just like make me happy when I see you, even if it's 11 o'clock at night and you're on your story and you're like, hi, <laughs> just working away over here. <laughs> I suppose I should be sleeping at that time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm usually awake when you are and I see it and I'm like, I see you girl. I'm over here too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Busted. Um, you know what? Yeah. I think I, I, it's funny. I'm an ambivert. So I love to retreat by myself at night or just after an event, I need to come home and I need to recharge completely by myself with my dog and just shut the world out a little bit. But then when I'm around people or I'm at an event or I'm speaking on stage or I'm performing, or if I'm talking about my business or I'm learning about my friends' businesses and what their big wins are, I get so much energy from that. And it, it, when I'm around people that excite me and that are good doing great things, it's the perfect recipe to kick me up into like high gear. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that comes from, but I suppose if you met my mom, you would probably say it comes from her. She's very <laughs> high energy and she's very excitable. And I think I must get that from her. And it is all just exactly how I am every day. I mean, I don't, anybody who knows me, I think would say the same thing that you just said. There's an energy there. I've had people stop me in the middle of the mall and say, your energy force is crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true. That's a true story. It's oh, and then I like stopped and had a spontaneous reading with that person in the mall. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I'm sort of like this little fireball of excitement Mm-hmm. and life. And I, I, I also think that that can be attributed to going through that trauma and yeah. going through something that was really scary and almost having it ripped away. I think that you gain an appreciation for opportunity and you get a certain sense of gratitude for the life that you are able to lead because a lot of people have it so much worse. So much worse. I know. Yeah. It's like, how lucky am I? How lucky am I that I was given an opportunity to go down that crazy path of life, connect all of the dots? You know, I think going through the Beyond TV boot camp with Jen Gottlieb and yeah. Chris Field, they talk a lot about connecting the dots of the past. And you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back, which is a Steve Jobs quote, because it's true. When you look back and say, oh, that dot in New York City, that dot in Phoenix, that dot in San Francisco, that dot in Florence, Italy, I understand them now. Mm-hmm. And I have finally reached a place in my life where I can feel confident and say, I am exactly where I need to be. Mm-hmm. I can throw up my Virgo crazy controlling hands and say, universe, it is all up to you now. I fully understand. I fully understand why I'm here, why I'm on this path, why I was chosen to help people, why I was given so many different random talents and careers and what I can do with them and how I can change the world with them and share them and excite people and give them my energy. Literally, that's when I'm in a room with people, I want people to feel like I'm on their team, I'm on their side, I'm in it with them. And any of my clients will tell you they have me completely when I walk through the door, my energy, my excitement, my vision, my cheerleaderness. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you were a cheerleader until you said it today. And it, everything I know, it, it's so on brand and alignment. I love it. That's a dot that you can now connect from my past. That's for a me. dot. So, okay. So we've talked about all of these different dots from your past. Mm -hmm. How did you start your styling business? How did that happen? That's a great question. How did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's a multitude of things. You know, when I moved to San Francisco and dot-com was really raging and people were really, businesses were popping up everywhere and people were, I was in the best city in the world at the right time. Mm -hmm. And it was about 2007. I 
had been working with this handbag and shoe company. And at this point, I've done everything. I have been a maid of honor at least four or five times by then. In my mid-20s, I was already a maid of honor that many times. And I had been singing in weddings since I was 10. And I had been in theater. Mm -hmm. I had my cosmetology license, so I knew how to do hair and makeup. And I had dabbled in my own business in San Francisco. And I moved there on the side doing hair and makeup for weddings. And then I had met this fashion designer and I was styling photo shoots and getting her ready for appearances and helping her pick her outfits and do her nails and this sort of head to toe look. And I was also working at a day spa while I was in San Francisco. So I knew the beauty and aesthetic side of things. I sort of developed this 360 degree experience at a super young age and kind of at a high level too. When I was with the fashion brand, I had a role of somebody who should have been in the business for five to 10 years doing what I was doing. I completely faked my way through every role that I had and just learned on the fly. But I was playing with the big dogs, people who started websites like Virgin Atlantic and helped with the Apple website and Williams Sonoma. These guys were big players that I was working directly with. So I learned a lot about how to launch a website and how to start e-commerce and then the development and production and manufacturing. And I was taking meetings with Chinese manufacturers that flew in specifically to show me leather swatches. And it was something that I had never dreamed that I would be doing, but I started to develop all of this experience and learn all of these things, crazy street smarts about how to run a business. So I completely got the bug for having my own thing because I had firsthand access to what it would be like to be in that role. Yeah. And it was about 2007 where 2008, I was sitting around with my girlfriends and contemplating a move back East because the company wasn't really in the financial place it needed to be to continue. And I was dating somebody back on the East coast and I had this vision. I had a vision for a one-stop shop bridal company of some sort where it would be this massive building. And I sketched it out in my notebook and it was like, It would be on one floor, the floral design, and one floor would be photography and videography, and then another floor would be dress design, and you could have your, there were custom gown designers and suit designers on that same floor, and it was a one-stop shop idea for brides to go, so they didn't have to go to eight million different vendors to plan their wedding, and I knew I would do something in the wedding world just because I loved it so much and I had so much exposure to it. I didn't know that I would be a stylist, um, but I did buy my domain for restyle and name my business in 2007, 2008. So I knew eventually I would have my own thing, but I had no idea that it would be styling. Um, But after I left San Francisco and moved to New York and got my feet wet in the PR world and in the design world because we designed and produced the clothing right on our floor in the garment center in new york city okay so i have now learned how to style a lookbook and put the outfits together and you know just how to like steam garments silly things but also how to promote your product and I had, I met Meredith Melling-Burke from Vogue on it at an editor desk side that I held myself with no PR experience. Mm -hmm. And I had access to People Style Watch and InStyle and Lucky Magazine. And I was getting us features in all these major publications with no help and no experience. And I developed this crazy skill set in the fashion industry. So I knew once I was exposed to all of those things that I would eventually start my own thing because I didn't go ever have a nine to five job ever. So why would I start after all of that crazy? Yeah. All of that crazy experience and all of that time on my own, making my own way, there was absolutely no way I was then going to turn around and go work for somebody. No way. No way. You literally couldn't like tell me a better curriculum master's curriculum in life ever in all the skills and experience you have 
it's like every, like even down to like e-commerce and PR. Crazy. Wow. That is amazing. I think about it and I'm like, did I really do all that? And yeah, I'm, I'm turning 40 this year. And I think back to when it all started at like 19. Yeah. I got my hairdressing license, but I was 20 when I got my license and 21 when I moved to San Francisco. And I think about it and it does feel like I've lived a thousand lives and done a thousand things. It's crazy. You know, what's interesting. I, I, I think I know what you're going to say to this. So you're like the type A Virgo planner, like I am, and you're picking up information and you're educating yourself piece by piece. And people are probably like, what the fuck is she doing? <laughs> like not having no vision of like what is coming together, right? Like I see that with my business as I pick up piece by piece of education and things. People, My family's like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're getting a certification in that what? You're going where? What? But for you, and the same thing for me, each piece is building off the other, building off the other to lead to where you are now. Right. And who knew that that was even like a thing? I didn't know about manifesting. I didn't know that there would be some dots to connect. I just knew that I was doing something completely radical and taboo. And that while all my friends were getting married and having kids and living back in my hometown in Maine, or at least settling down somewhere nearby... I'm like traveling the world and learning, being the first one to learn about Facebook and Instagram or whatever it is, you know, like I had all of this like crazy experience traveling the world and exposure to things that I definitely had people messaging me saying, I want your life. (laughs) And, you know, the grass is always greener. We all think that way. But to be honest, when I look back, there isn't one thing that I would change. Not even the, not even the accident. If anything, that completely shaped my path and I would never, ever have the opportunities or I think the grit, like you said, I would never be able to dig deep. I don't think if I hadn't been thrown to the wolves and moved to cities sight unseen with no job and no place to live, really no apartment. When we moved to San Francisco, three, me and three girlfriends, no place to live for 30 days. And I think that it's those experiences that shape you and give you this tenacity that is unstoppable. I am in overdrive right now. If anybody were to stop me on the street and say, hey, you want to grab a coffee? I'd be like, no time, no time. Yeah, no time. I get it. So you, okay. So you end up in New York, you're doing PR in New York what happens next? So the economy starts to crash. It's 2008 and it's very nerve wracking, especially in Manhattan. And I decide that it's time for a change and I need to get my degree because I knew that eventually I wanted to run a business. And I felt like I wouldn't be taken seriously if I didn't have that piece of paper. Okay. So I had a sister in Phoenix at the time and then a sister in Boulder, Colorado, and they were sort of fighting for me to pick a state and move near them. Mm-hmm. And I applied to both ASU and CU Boulder, and I ended up choosing ASU. I'm a golfer, so I felt like it was the better place for me. And my younger sister didn't have kids at the time, and I didn't want to get pigeonholed into babysitting all the time and not really having my own life. So I felt like it was the best way for me to start something new and plant a seed and be in great weather, go back West, be close enough to Colorado and far enough away from New England in that area again. So I came out to Arizona and started at ASU right away and then worked at a restaurant while I started developing what my next idea was going to be and what the business was going to be. And I graduated in 2013 and then took myself back to Florence for a month as a graduation gift. Mm. No, three months, sorry, not a month, three months and got an apartment right in the center and drank wine and ate blocks of cheese for dinner and was a travel blogger for my friend's tourism company. 
and just sat on all of my ideas and everything that I had just endured over the last like 10 years. Mm. And it was the greatest thing that I could have ever done for myself just to take that time away and go live in another country and write a blog and write for a, you know, a a tourism company, take all the tours I could meet all the people I could. And I came back to Phoenix with a major fire under me to start my business. So I dabbled a little bit in helping with a blogger here, get started, and then also doing a little wedding planning and sort of made my way into the industry kind of through the back door. And I eventually launched Restyle in 2014. So shortly after I came home from Italy and took my first client in January, 2014, doing a closet clean out. Wow. And it started there. And then I partnered up with a photographer who was doing a lot of family photo shoots and basically just said like, um, you know, can I tag along and maybe start styling some of your families and, you know, see if it is something that I'm good at and maybe some things will, you know, spin off from that. And that's sort of what jumpstarted my styling business. And I just said, I'm a stylist. It just is like something I declared. (laughs) Yeah. And then you just started styling people. Yep. Then I, then I, shortly after I ended up signing with Ford, I didn't really uh, do a lot with Ford, but it was great for me to just sort of see how the agency world worked and gave me that credibility as a Ford artist when they, you know, probably like a year or so later, um, maybe two, because they didn't start their artist program right away. But I did do a lot of commercial stuff. I did some magazines. I mean, I've done a ton of magazine work covers and, you know, Arizona Foothills and so Scott still. And then people started catching on that I was doing a lot of styling and dressing people. And I do have a very, very special gift for shopping. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I know how to shop very well. Uh, okay. I'm a very good digger and I understand how clothing fits on the body. My mom was a seamstress. So I understand fabrics and how they wash and wear. And I understand what will stand the test of time and what is more of a trend piece and maybe gets worn a couple of times and gets tossed. I also have an innate capability to be able to find anything that anyone is looking for in like record time Ooh, yeah. okay. <laughs> and really good retail. Yeah. So it was sort of taking this whole, like all of the gifts and all of the things and putting them together into, you know, my company. And I, did my own website and did my own marketing. And because of my PR experience, I knew how to pitch myself to magazines for features. So I started getting written up in modern luxury and they chose me as one of their women of style in 2015. I got a great feature and then started just getting recognized as a stylist to keep an eye on in the Valley. Wow. And like, as you're saying these things that happened, like I know behind the scenes, you're working your tail off. (laughs) like you know like you get your first client but where and I know that you're doing the PR you're doing the press but like you're hustling your ass off what does that look like for you in the beginning as you're starting day to day oh it was a lot of running around a lot of saying yes to things for either no money or little money I did a ton of free work because I wanted people to experience me as a human. I felt like if they could just spend some time with me, that they would hire me back. And a lot of it is just getting the right person in your closet. You can have the most amazing stylist in the world shopping for you or dressing you, but if you don't like them or if you don't like their style, or if you feel like they're judging you in any kind of way, you're not going to hire them back. You're not going to feel comfortable. You're not going to be able to be your most vulnerable self, which is what I'm dealing with every day. Mm -hmm. So I just felt like it was a lot of pounding the pavement, a lot of pitch emails, a lot of free work that I still, (laughs) I try not to do it anymore, but I'm such a giver and gifting is my love language. So it was really hard for me to make money in the beginning because I just wanted to do for people because I knew that I had that gift to offer them and I just wanted to help them. But you're right. It was marketing. I wore all the hats. I ran my own website. And the worst thing that happened to me was right after I launched my site, 
I had done all my due diligence to see who was styling in the Valley and how to set myself apart from them to make sure that my website was different. I chose to list my prices, although others weren't or vice versa. I can't remember. And shortly after I launched somebody locally copied and pasted my entire website onto theirs, basically. Yeah, it was really awful. And it was one of those moments where you completely doubt yourself and you say, I'm not good enough. They're already busier than me. And now all of my copy that I worked so hard to write myself is sitting on somebody else's site who already has a bigger following. And it just was that one of those moments where I felt completely defeated and took me right back to those like early days of, you know, people not being very nice to me. And it was one of those moments in my career where I was like, am I, am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be doing this? You know, you, you have moments where you question what you're doing and if you're good enough to be in that space, Mm -hmm. that was really disheartening. And it was one of those tough times where I thought about throwing it all away. How did, what did you do about it? How did you resolve it? I stayed really quiet and I completely rewrote my website and chose not to say anything because I felt like I didn't want to make waves in the community. Wasn't worth it. And as far as I know, I'm still styling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you are. Let's just say that. So, you know, I think that it was a lesson that there's going to be so many things along the way that put a wrench in your plan or scare you from being in a certain space and showing up when you know you should, but there's going to be things that can create blockages and people that might not support what you're doing or that feel envious of your skill set, or it's that whole comparison syndrome. And what we see now more than ever on Instagram is feeling like there is somebody better than us. Yeah. It's really, really hard. And I think that it was a lesson for me. It was really hurtful at the time, but I came out more resilient and I came out telling myself that I need to continue to be who I am. And that alone will set me apart from anyone doing whatever I'm doing. And there's space for everyone. There's room for everyone. But it reminded me that I just need to stay on my own path and nobody can take away the gifts that I have and just keep, keep your blinders on and stay straight ahead. I feel like you have relentlessly pursued you. Like even when you have felt like people were getting in the way or people are copying, or maybe I'm not good enough. You just have always pursued you like head down, done the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of work to be done, I think, as women in the entrepreneurial world. We are constantly battling what's happening around us. Yes. And you and I were talking before the podcast about the challenges we face of being alone in this industry or being alone and on our own as a solopreneur or somebody who maybe doesn't have a support system at home. Yeah. And it took me a long time and maybe a lot of failed relationships, not just partners, but even friends or people yeah. that didn't understand who I was or what my goals were along the way. It's been a lot of heartbreak and it hasn't been easy. And I think Instagram and social media and just my energy level makes it look easy because people must look at me and say, oh, she's so happy all the time. Like she must be doing great and her life must be so good. And her private chef must make her the best meals. (laughs) No, he really does. He's my best friend, but like, no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I come home to a dog and all my own chores. And if the recycling goes out on Thursday nights, I'm the one taking it out. Like there's no, there's nothing glam happening about my life or behind the scenes. And I have been my own advocate since the beginning of time. Early, early days, 10 years old is when I started advocating for myself when nobody else would. And there is a certain level of 
resilience, like I said earlier, but love for myself that I had to dig very, very deep for. And I've done the work over the last few years. I stopped dating completely, completely cold turkey, like three years ago and committed to a self-discovery journey that I didn't know I needed. Mm -hmm. And I have spent every day over the last few years giving myself grace, showing gratitude in a way that I never showed it before. I think there was a little chip on my shoulder just because of what I had been through that other people hadn't been through it. And I felt like, and a lot of entrepreneurs will say this, or a lot of people who have been heartbroken or hurt throughout their life, they'll, they'll ask the question, when is it going to be my turn? Mm -hmm. When am I going to get my break? Where's my husband? Where's my kids? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Where's, where's my partner? Where, where's my support system? When are the millions going to hit my bank account? There's so many questions that we have and it's taken me a lot of time to just let it go, figure out who I am, be super proud of it and look at my accomplishments and say, you have kicked some serious ass over the last 20 years, building your business, building your life. You've kept a roof over your head and you've done it with grace. And it's really, really, really hard to do. Cause there are times when I wanted to say, when is it going to be my turn? And I've said it and it's, it's, it's hard. It's been a little bit lonely. I will, I, even though I'm a generally very happy person, there have been some really lonely times. I'm sure you can relate as somebody who's a solopreneur. Absolutely. And I think that like, there's so much seeming glamor in the businesses that we have because we have social presences and we share the beauty. We share the good, we educate, but we also share like the, it's really hard. Like Mm -hmm. starting our businesses, starting my business has been the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. I have never had, it's other than like trauma that's happened, like personal choices. It's the hardest personal choice I have ever committed to in my Mm -hmm. life. And I've done it like you have alone without Mm -hmm. a partner And I've, I will come home and I'm like, this is just me and the cats and, (laughs) (laughs) but it's hard. And I think that oftentimes people see the glamour of the things that we do and they see the photo shoots and, you know, the fun things that we do. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, it's so great. It is great. It's fucking amazing. Right. We've chosen it. We've created it. We've manifested it, but it's also really, really the hardest thing as well. Oh yeah. It's a ton of work. And with my new business with rescue kit company, my second baby, I have my sister as my partner and it's the first time I've had a daily support system. The very first time. And it's glorious. (laughs) It's the most glorious thing to be able to share that with her, but to be able to count on her and do express concern with her and for her to understand what I'm going through. And she gives me so much grace. There are times when I'm so tired from running around for restyle every day. I mean, I'm across town back and forth all day long and it's a lot of being on for people and giving them my full energy level. And it takes a lot of effort It's a lot of manual labor too. A lot of schlepping clothes in and out of my car, returning clothes to stores, sending packages, Mm -hmm. packing people for trips, taking the dry cleaner bags off all their stuff and changing out all the hangers and all the manual labor that I do throughout the week. And just even like keeping people happy and motivated because there's so much anxiety around the getting dressed process. I have turned into a wardrobe motivator, a coach. I'm there. I've even had to coach, you know, business partners on how to find their own personal style and still exist as a team. And then I end up being their mediator or whatever it may be. It's a lot of being on and it's a lot of energy exerted 
day in and day out. And so by the time I come home, just imagine I barely have time to eat. If I've, if I haven't prepped my food and if my fridge isn't like fully chopped and prepped and ready to go, I probably am going to make a poor choice or I'm not going to eat. And I'm going to get right on my laptop. And while I throw the ball for my dog, I'm on my laptop answering emails for the day, doing proposals, doing a social media post for one of my three accounts. One, I do have help with one of them, but I still have to manage the content. Yep. In the newsletter, making sure there's fresh photos on the website, outreach to people. And then I, I always have a bunch of things in the wings and I do a lot of, a lot of freelance. I'm freelance designing for a company right now and I'm pitching to the press yeah. and I'm doing business coach courses or I'm doing preparation for, you know, audition prep for things or speaking coach lessons. And there's all sorts of things that I have to do to sort of maintain the level that I'm at and stay competitive and make sure that I do it with a smile on my face. It's a lot. It's a lot. When you think about your styling business, what's the, when you think about it in the next five years, like what's the vision and like the dream for the business going forward? Here's my big dream. This is like my big... (laughs) unicorn dream. (laughs) I aspire to be on a national TV show. So I want to have a show that reaches a huge audience and allows me to be in the living rooms and the closets of women all over the world and coach Mm -hmm. them and guide them through the getting dressed process. So I don't want to stop my styling. I love my clients dearly. I don't ever want to stop that, but there's, there's definitely a ceiling because it is me yeah, and it is my time. And there's only so much time in the day and I can only take on so many clients. So there's a, there's a ceiling for what I can do. However, the lasting legacy that I plan to have is the rescue kit company and the work that I do with that product line. And it all plays into each other because without the work that I've done with Restyle and all of my styling experience and the relationships and the networking that I've built and done, Rescue Kit would not have a platform to be seen. So in a perfect world, I would have a show so I could sprinkle myself all over the world and continue to take clients here and there and as I can and continue to grow the rescue kit company and give that a platform to have legs to be in the homes of every woman in the world. And man, we don't discriminate. <laughs> How do we get you a Netflix show? You yeah, like let's work on that. <laughs> you need a Netflix show. Okay, we're going to co-manifest this. Yes. Oh, I manifest it every day. It's on my future gratitude list. Every day I say that I'm grateful for my TV show every single day. And Regina, I know I'm this close. I know. I I say it like I get full body chills as you say it. I'm in full alignment with that goal. Yes. It's just a matter of who. So whoever's listening out there, (laughs) it could be you that makes me delivered, (laughs) allows me to be delivered into the living rooms and closets of everyone. I just think that there's a lot in my brain that I, I need to dump out in a big, huge way. And maybe it's a book, maybe it's a YouTube series. I don't know, but I really just want to hold the hands of every woman. And I ambushed a closet recently and surprised somebody with, I loved it. I know. That's why I was like, she needs a TV show. It'd be so fun. And it would also be, it was, it was a very emotional day. And it, it reminded me as to why I do what I do. I don't do what I do for me. It is not about me. I show up in workout clothes when I get to my clients' homes. I'm not the glam queen. I don't even want it to be about me. It is about them. It is about their struggles. It is about my gift to be able to lift women up because that is a huge gift of mine. It is something I was born with. It is something that I believe in because of what I went through. I never want anybody to feel as downtrodden as I felt ever. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that if you take your passion for people and your God-given talents and your drive and you make it into a business, it will ultimately succeed. You cannot fail. You cannot fail. And nobody can tell you 
that you can't do what you were set out to do, what you've set out to do. I, I don't take anybody's baloney. Mm -hmm. There's no, nobody can tell me you can't do that because that has happened to me before in the past. And I believed them and I'm not allowing that in my space anymore. So if there's a, if there's a woman out there listening to this right now, that has been wondering if she should start her thing or take the leap. And she already knows that she has the talent and the drive and the heart. She needs to go and do it. And I want to hear about it. <laughs> Girl, she fail. That's a fucking mic drop. I'm just sitting here listening to you and it is so good. It is so good. Mm, when, are you, when are you going to write a book? You know, it's funny. I I've started writing a book. I've started writing three books. One of them is a children's book about my dog because he's really funny. And another one is actually sort of like a memoir from my time in the fashion industry. And I'm trying to figure out what the direction should be. And if people would be interested in my journey, because it's a long and windy road. And I wonder, would people be interested in hearing about everything from my childhood through the accident, through my, all of the crazy moves back and forth across the country to starting my business, or should it just be about the business and motivating people? Um, There's two books there. You think so? First book is like part one, childhood through the accident. Part two, um, uh, what was part two? Uh, Florence has to have its own, like Florence is like its whole thing. So it's like, Part one, childhood through accident. Part two, the crazy road through the fashion industry. Part three, the business. Yeah. Book two is all about like motivating women to do the thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like the teens, the twenties and the 30 plus <laughs> kind of yeah. books. It's such a good, it's such, it's such a good book. I'm reading it in my head right now. It's, you have to write it. I'll send you a sample of a couple of chapters that I've started and I want want them. I want to read them. I will send them to you and you can tell me if you think that I should stay the course because I actually was gifted uh, by one of my former clients, a writing lesson with this really awesome author in New York city. And he had me even designing my book jacket. Like we took it to the next level. So maybe I need to get back to that. I think there's been so much work that I've been doing over the last few years. And I think that you really do need to be in a great mental space to be able to write. Um, I've started journaling since the beginning of 2021 and making that a daily practice, which I never did before, which is so wild to me because I have so much to say. Mm-hmm. And I think now that writing has become a daily practice that it would feel a lot more organic and less forced. And I think that when you are working on something like that, you do need to be in such a great place and ready to really spill it. And I've tried to force it in the past, but now I think I'm ready mentally and physically. Mm, It feels so good. Yeah. When it's (laughs) the right season to do it, take the time and do it. I really think you have to write a book. You'll have to be the first sale now that you're- (laughs) I'll pre-order it. I'll pre-order it. Okay. So the book, the two books- uh, the Netflix series, Netflix, she needs a show. She needs a show. I mean, right. I think so. I, I mean, mean, like it's a given. And you know what, if net, if you don't get a show from Netflix, like let's figure out how we produce a YouTube series. That's what I'm saying. It's a YouTube show. It's a YouTube show. I know Netflix will pick it up. I know at least like 15 people would watch it, which is a great start. <laughs> I think we could get, I think we could get like at least a hundred people out the gate to watch it. That's okay. what I'm thinking. Watch parties. Here we come. <laughs> watch parties. Here we come. I'm so excited. I just love you so much. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I actually want to have you come back because there's so many more things I want to talk about. It's so good. Love you so much. Thank you so much for just having this space for people to feel vulnerable and welcome and warm and excited and just, you know, it's really hard to find authentic truth in all of this world right now. And it's hard to find a safe space and you provide that. And I'm so grateful that I could be a part of it. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of yourself with our list, with my listeners. They're so going to love this episode. I love you. 
If you guys love this episode as much as Risa and I loved creating it for you today, please take a screenshot, share it in your story, tag us, tell us what you loved about it and why. And please follow Risa on Instagram. I'll share her Instagram, her website, everything about the rescue kit in the show notes so you can go and check her out. Also, if you love this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and a five-star rating. I love you guys so much and I will see you next week on the podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved what you heard, I would be beyond thankful if you would share this podcast on your Instagram story and share with me what about the episode with me or with my guests that you loved. Also, please remember if you love this podcast to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes so that you don't miss out on all of the incredible guests and topics that we have lined up for you during this crazy year. And as always, if there is ever a guest or a topic or anything you would like for me and a guest to discuss, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at Regina A. Lawrence. Lots of love, guys.